888-835-2414. This is Learning with Leslie. Welcome to another episode of Learning with Leslie, the podcast where you learn, I learn, we all learn about how to build an online business with a blog. No, I'm not talking about one of those blogs that will fall by the wayside when Google has a mood swing. I'm talking about one that will thrive no matter what gets thrown at it. I'm your host, Leslie Summer from becomeablogger.com, where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And as usual, I have another exciting interview for you today. I'm on the line with none other than Tanya Rapley from myfabfinance.com, who prides herself on being relatable, realistic, savvy, and fabulous. She became a certified financial educator after improving her credit score by 130 points in 18 months and significantly growing her investment portfolio and savings. When she realized that she had a knack for personal finance, she embarked on a mission to inspire others to take control of their financial future. She created MyFab Finance in 2013. But one of the things that stands out about what she has done with her blog is how she builds community. I brought her on here to talk about how to build a strong community of bloggers. Community is becoming more and more essential to online business. So building your community... That's what we're going to be talking about today. Tanya, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm wonderful, Leslie. Thank you for that introduction. It was so amped. It was wonderful. Well, we got to get amped because we're going to be talking about some good stuff today that I know I'm excited about talking about. And I'm excited to hear your story, how you've gotten to where you are today, and just learn from all of that stuff. Are you ready for that? I'm ready. You're ready. All right. So for those of you that are listening, this is episode 256. You can find all the show notes at becomeablogger.com slash 256, included any any of the links or resources that she mentions. It'll all be there. So you won't miss out. Head on over there. So, Tanya, first of all, you know, I see all the stuff you're doing. Do you have a degree in like finances or something of that sort? Anything like that? Absolutely not. I I don't have a degree in personal finance. Actually, my degree is in public administration. So I have, I'm pretty much a career change agent. I've been working in communities to create change since my sophomore year in college when I volunteered to um, assist at an AIDS and HIV outreach um, nonprofit organization. From there, I went on. I moved to Miami, Florida, and facilitated community planning and charrettes and neighborhood engagement in the planning process. Um, then I moved to New York City, where I became the coordinator of community initiatives at the YWCA of Brooklyn. So all of the work that I have ever done has been focused on creating change in the lives of everyday individuals. So, okay, so so your background isn't in personal finance or anything of that sort. So what made you think (laughs) that you could start this blog and become, and I'm not asking this in a negative way at all. I I love this, that you you can become an authority on this topic. What made you think that you could do that? You know, that was something I struggled with early on. You know, I was like, I don't have a degree, so and so and so. I, I hated math growing up. I chose public <laughs> administration 
honestly, because it was the degree that required the least amount of math. And so <laughs> it was definitely a struggle. But I realized that there was a void in the market for the voice of someone who didn't have a finance background. I think that education is fantastic. But in a sense, education can rob us of our ability to relate to people who do not have the same understanding as us. And so my approach to my fat finance was that of an everyday woman who doesn't have a finance degree, but needs to know how to manage her money in a way that she understands it and can identify with. So my ideal reader of my blog is not someone who is looking for, you know, an expert in person, not necessarily an expert in personal finance, because I am considered an expert now, but someone who has, you know, several degrees within that field. They're looking for someone that can help them create change in their lives um, by their own means on their own terms. I, okay, so I, I love it because what I'm seeing, you know, I go to your blog and I see that you're featured on ABC, Black Enterprise, U.S. News and World Report, and a number of others. And it's not that you went to school for this in particular, but it sounds as if there's a passion that developed for this topic over time and you just ran with it. it yeah, it definitely developed over time. Um, my fat fi- so before I started my fat finance, I moved to New York City with a music blog. So huh. this is not my first foray into blogging. Uh, my father was a DJ growing up, so music actually is my first love. And I moved to New York. I had a music blog, but I started blogging all the wrong ways. I just had no plan for how I would generate revenue. Um, music blogs can be difficult. There was a, a lot of new blogs popping up when I started mine. And so that was um, that was just out of passion. And then my fat finance started out as my accountability partner. I was like, I'm going to get the internet to hold me accountable for getting my financial okay. life. Whoa, 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 wait, wait! Before we go, because I didn't know about this music blog. I want to, <laughs> I want to th- talk a little more about that really quick. It's a music blog. But I, what exactly what that, was that blog about? The blog was called the Eargasm, and it was about. Um, unknown or lesser known musicians that were equally as good, but weren't getting the same amount of radio play as um, everything else we were hearing on the radio. It was born out of just getting tired of hearing the same 15 artists on the radio in rotation on a regular basis. And I was like, there has to be better music out here. And I started discovering these artists that were creating amazing music, but they weren't being played on the radio. And so my fat, not my fat finance, but the orgasm was um, dedicated to that. And why did that blog not survive? Why did it not thrive? Why was that not the thing that Tanya Rapley is known for? There, I, so from a business perspective, you could say that we never had a sound business plan. Um, our plan to monetize the site arrived a little too, we, we didn't build that into the creation of the site, the plan to monetize. And it just wasn't the industry. But from a spiritual sense, that's just not what I was supposed to be doing. Mm. Like, period. That just wasn't my purpose. That's not what I was put here to do. Okay. Um, so so you're, you're, you're working on this blog. Then you started MyFab Finance. And this was supposed to be your accountability partner is what you said. Yeah, there wasn't a perfect segue. You know, I started blogging for, I stopped blogging for a couple of years. I was like, this is not making me any money. I need to go get a job. And so that's when I went and started working at the YWCA in Brooklyn. And it was twofold. So I was working with low income women who, in their 60s and 70s, they hadn't adequately planned for retirement. So we're looking at women who are living off of Social Security, 
um, their rent is $700 a month. Their social security check, if they're fortunate, is $750 or $790 a month. So I had residents that were literally on the corner begging for money every month to pay for, to buy food. And, but then I also had residents who had properly planned for their retirement. And these women were like taking trips to Egypt and China, <laughs> living their life. They were comfortable. And that's when I realized, you know, I'm going to get old one day. And my life in retirement depends on the decisions I make today. I cannot stop acting like my finances are going to autocorrect. And that's when I created my Fab Finance. So I was like, I'm going to get it together. All right. So you planned on getting it together. Uh, what was your situation at that time in terms of your finances, in terms of what you weren't doing right versus what you know now? My finance, they were in shambles. I mean, like, um, the only thing I was doing right was working. That was the only <laughs> thing I was doing right. I, the, I mean, the difference was I realized that I, I think I had this assumption that I had to make a lot of money to be financially secure, or I was waiting until I made a lot of money to be financially secure. And the truth is that if you don't manage, if you don't know how to properly manage the money that you have, you'll never have enough. Like it doesn't matter how much money you make. And so I realized that it was based on my habits. I ended up going on a dining out fast where me and my friend, we only would eat out if someone else was paying for it. So if we were going on a date or, you know, a job was treating us to it or something. But I learned how to save so much money. Um, and at that time, I was making $28,000 living in New York City. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was, it was. But I, I mean, I was happy, you know, it, and it's interesting because even now I put that into perspective. I look at how much I was making then and how happy I was. And I tried to check myself on buying stuff stuff because we really start to just fill our lives with stuff when we start making more money. Um, but when you've been forced to live on a bare minimum like that, you understand, like I can do without. <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's been an interesting experience and I've learned a lot. I've changed my viewpoints along the way. I'm becoming much more diligent, um, when it comes to debt as I was initially before I was like, you know, debt isn't bad as long as you can manage to pay it. But now I realize unless you, when you have debt, you aren't completely free. So, I've, I've, I've shifted my focus and I've grown as a financial educator too as a result. Okay, I love it. Let, let's talk a little bit about the blog, the, um, My Fab Finance. How did you choose the name? That was not the original name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what was the original name? Let us know. The original name was My Fab FICO. And when I tried to incorporate that name, FICO politely sent me a cease and desist letter <laughs> and I had to scramble to find a new name. But because my journey originally began with me trying to improve my credit score. Uh -huh. And so it was my fab FICO. But I, I wanted to expand outside of credit. You know, I was like, there's so many other things about finance I can talk about. And so when that happened, it was kind of a relief. They actually did me a favor because I was mm. able to change the name to my fab finance. And that allows me to encompass way more. Now it's a personal finance and lifestyle site versus a credit site. And my fab finance came out of the belief that you don't, deprivation isn't a sound financial freedom strategy. I don't believe in deprivation. I think that you can become financially sound and financially free and remain as fabulous as you are. So that's where my fab finance came and we're, we're um, merging being fabulous and being financially responsible. I, I love it. Okay, sweet. So you started this blog, uh, and how did it... Well, first of all, when did you start this blog? 
I have, I started my blog. Well, let's okay. So there's always, you know, where you start it, and then, you're and then like, when you oh, really started, <laughs> yeah, you really, really started. So I set it up in September, in January of 2013. Oh wow! Okay. I became serious about blogging in January of, in, in June of 2013, okay. uh, during a trip to London with my mom, and I was just like, I want to be location independent. I love what I'm doing with my fat finance. Let me stop playing around and figure out how to make this a lifestyle. Okay, so and, wait, wait, wait. before before you move on from there, you were working at the time, right? Yes, I, I was working and in graduate school when I built oh. my fab. Okay, well, now where what, what were you doing when you were working? I was working as a coordinator of community initiatives, so I was doing community engagement work and planning programming for about ten to fifteen thousand. Brooklyn residents annually while managing a community center for social justice. So I had a very demanding job. I was, I was working hard <laughs> um, when I built my fab finance on top of going to graduate school. Okay, we got to talk about that then because I know a lot of people listen to this podcast and they have full-time jobs. They have maybe kids and all this kind of stuff and they're trying to build a blog on the side. How in the, doing all of that, doing graduate school, we, you weren't doing graduate school full-time, were you? I, no, I was part-time. Okay, so part-time graduate school and building this blog. How did you find the time to work on this blog? In hindsight, I have no idea. <laughs> I wish, I, I seriously wish I could say, well, I did this, 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 this. Oh, man. No, it's just when you really want to do something, you get it done. And I, I would find the time for my fab finance if that meant that I was working on a term paper until 2 a.m. and knowing I had to turn it into 8 a.m., I would do it. I still managed to graduate from um, grad school with a 3.85 GPA. Nice. So you know, I, still, I still was able to perform in the classroom and perform at my job. I mean, I ended up resigning from that job and going to another position where I ended up planning programming for the entire all five boroughs in New York City. <laughs> because, you were, so, because you weren't working hard enough. You said, I need to do more. Some people might call me an overachiever. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's been said. But in, but in the same sense, you know, building a blog, it does take work. Yes. Um, but it, it is a matter, you know, writing on the train. When I had an opportunity to write content, I would write content. So my iPad was my best friend at that time. I live in New York City. And so my train rides were work sessions for me. I would write out my content. At lunch, I would write out content or post stuff to the blog. I would post things on the blog when I was working. <laughs> um, and But, you know, you have to understand and know your employer to do that. But it really was just about carving out certain uh, amounts of time that I could allocate to my blog so that I could at least create the presence and really relying on a network of individuals, um, social media friends and fellow bloggers to help me promote it and learn more. Okay, let's talk a little man, this is this is fascinating to me. Okay, so you're hustling. Whenever you didn't whenever you weren't working, you decided that you were gonna work. Um, but you're gonna work <laughs> so you're you're working at your job and when you're not working, you're working in school. When you're not working there, you're working at on, on your blog. And I, I can I resonate with this because when I started my blog, I was teaching at a boarding academy, which is not a nine to five. It's a almost all day sometimes and yeah. in the night and that kind of stuff. But I, I found time in between my, my lectures, in between, you know, work and whatever. And I was really just hustling to make it happen. I don't really fully know how I did it either. 
So I definitely <laughs> get that. Let's talk about some of the things that you did to grow your blog. How how did your how did your blog grow? Let's start there. I'm, I'm, you know, and I'm still in that growing phase. I think that as my fab finance, so I, I just want to preface this because I feel like my fab finance began to take off on a whole other level. We'll get into that. And then I expected it has sidetracked me from um, growing the blog, but it really was listening to others and what people wanted to read versus writing about what I thought people wanted to read. That was critical, especially with the blog. That's an information blog um, because we can sit here and say, oh, yeah, people want to learn about, you know, how to use a tax return. And some people just want to learn about, you know, how to save more money. They're just they don't understand that the tax return could be used as a tool to save more money. So it really is um, checking in with your audience on a regular basis and finding out what they want to read or finding out what their voids in the space um, regarding your topic, where where the voids exist in the space regarding your topic, I should say. Um, and. No, uh, so with, with that, really with powerful. that, how did you how did you do that? How did you listen? What was listening like for you? I mean, did you look at what people were saying on social media? Did you use your email list? What were you doing? I had no email list. I asked. Um, when I started my Fed Finance, I would say I didn't really have an email list until a year and a half in, and that was a mistake. But um, I, I asked. Quite simply, I would ask people in my on Facebook. I would ask people in my social media um, family. I, I would just candidly say, so what are, what are you struggling with? I would ask people, my family, my best friend, everybody has been asked the money question, like, what are you struggling with? What do you need the most help with? And it's not because I necessarily want to help you. It's because I want to help the masses. Um, but I mean, that's the best way. It's just to, one of my friends said to um, a new way of asking is asking what people are struggling with or what their biggest fear is around that subject matter especially if you're creating content around something like finance or something that's lifestyle, like what is your biggest fear? And then you try to come up with solutions and content that helps them solve that. Okay. So you're at this point, you know, you're, you're getting the blog started. You don't really have an audience or anything of that sort online. You're just going out there and asking people that, you know, whether it's on social media, whether it's in person, family, friends, and that kind of stuff, you're just asking them questions because they're in your target audience. Yeah, they're my target audience. Um, I do. I, I'm. My husband says I'm pretty nosy, so I ask <laughs> a lot. I ask a lot of questions, and I, I think that there, there's so much power in researching and um, researching your market. I think a lot of us don't, and we assume we know it all because we feel like, hey, I'm my target demographic, and this would this is what I want to learn about. But you have to separate yourself from that, and then you know, creating content and being consistent with creating content. It can be discouraging initially when you establish a blog because it is not a build it and you will come thing. There are millions of blogs on the internet, but you probably know the statistic better than I do. A certain percentage of bloggers don't make it out of their first year. Are you familiar with, do you know what the... I've heard it. I don't know the exact numbers, but let's just say a lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, a lot because they become discouraged because they think they're going to set this blog up and people are going to flock to it. Um, but you know, remaining consistent and being a reliable place where people can come it is very important. What was, um, what was your consistent schedule in the beginning? In the beginning, I I it, I didn't have days, but you could rely on at least three posts a week when I began when I started blogging. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I just had all this content just bubbling out, you know, oozing out, and <laughs> I did I didn't have the best content control though as well. When I go back and read some of my previous blogs that I wrote back then, I'm just like, what? 
why? <laughs> like, whoa. What, what, uh, what was wrong with it? What was the problem? It just didn't seem well planned. It was kind of scattered. Mm. It, um, I think I was still getting my footing on, on my blog voice. And so a lot of it, some of it was from a personal angle. And then some of it was from an educational perspective. It's, it, it wasn't the blog that it is today. Let's just say that. So well, let me ask this. Do you regret that then? I mean, do you regret not having the best post in the beginning? No, it, it, it hasn't hindered me. I resigned from my full-time job in September 2015 to do this full-time. So it hasn't hindered me, but it is important to learn from your, I want to call it mistakes, but learn what worked well and learn what didn't. Learn from the experience. You left your job when, you said? I left my job September 2015. September 2015. So it's been less than a year. Less than a year. I'm hitting almost, I'm approaching six months. And how's it going? It is, it's actually, you know, in all honesty, I think, as an entrepreneur, you're consistently worried about outperforming the previous month. Yeah. But just because you don't necessarily outperform the previous month doesn't mean things aren't going well. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you cover your overhead or if you create new relationships or you create a new system and, in place to generate more revenue, you're doing well. Mm-hmm. So consistently, um, MyFab Finance has been able to provide me with what I need to pay my overhead and then some. I, we, me and my husband pay for our wedding in cash. Um, so it's it's been a blessing. It really has been a beautiful experience, but it has been the most difficult thing I've done outside of working a job and going to grad school. Even in undergrad, I worked, I, um, had my full-time job and had three part-time jobs while I was an undergrad. Um, and so I will say that this has been one of the most emotionally challenging things that I have done, but it is also one of the most rewarding things that I've done because I truly am my own boss on Sundays. I'm like, Hmm, so, I mean, what, what time do I want to start tomorrow? You know, it, it, just the freedom to do what I love day in and day out and command my schedule is a beautiful thing. Okay, so you left your job September 2015. I left mm-hmm. my job uh, June of 2014. And a few months before I left my job, because I planned to leave my job, I gave my job way advance notice. I was a professor in a university, so I, needed, I knew that they needed time to find someone to replace me. But mm-hmm. a few months before I left my job, I remember walking home, walking to my car from my anatomy lab, and then just freaking out. Like, what in the world am I doing leaving <laughs> my, my dream job as a university professor, stable income, health benefits, all these things, to, to, to build a blogging business? And I literally panicked. Did you, yeah, you do. <laughs> did you have that experience? Were you, like, afraid when you were going through this transition? Absolutely. And that was, I definitely had a, who do you think you are moment then. <laughs> like, it was like, you know, it, 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 it was, yes, absolutely. I, I think that if you go, if you don't go into it with some sort of fear, um, I don't, I won't say I question your sanity, but that's awesome. If you don't have any fear, but I think the fear is normal, especially when you have had a nine to five job for the majority of your adult life. Um, just knowing that you're not going to get a paycheck every two weeks, most likely (laughs) is, is, is is scary. It really is. Um, so yeah, I, I, even the first two weeks, you know, I thought my first day of working for myself as a blogger, I was going to be like popping bottles of champagne (laughs) 
I thought that's what was going to happen. Do you know that bottle of champagne is still sitting <laughs> on my counter? I, it, it, it is an emotional experience that I don't think that you can be prepared for. You, you, it's one of those things that you will not understand what it feels like until you actually do it. So what, what is the most... You said it's been the most difficult thing that you've... This is like a fascinating conversation to me because... Anyhow, what was the, what's the most difficult part about this journey for you? Hmm. Balancing my responsibility to my audience um, with my responsibility to my finances and my house. Because as a financial educator, there are certain clients that I am not able to work with or I have to walk away from or that I don't believe have the best interest for my readers. And they could be offering a decent payday, but my integrity is on the line. And I, I have to walk away from that um, and lose out on money, you know, yeah. at, in, the same, in the same breath. But I, all I have is my integrity. And so I have to maintain that. But that is challenging is, you know, I need to pay my bills. Um, and I would like to accept this opportunity from you, but I, I can't because I don't know what it will mean for my readers and if it will set them back or put them in a less than favorable financial situation as a result. So that's been one of the most challenging things. And getting people in my family to understand that I'm not retired. <laughs> that is another thing. And my mom, as soon as I, re- as soon as I resigned, my mom was like, so now we can go on a 14-day cruise. And I was like, absolutely not. We cannot. I cannot be that unplugged from my business for that amount of time. I am not Tim Ferriss yet, Mom. So um, that, that has been a challenge, too. All right, cool. All right, let's talk about this whole community thing because one of the things that I've um, it seems like has been very instrumental in your success is having a blogging community is that is that a correct statement yes absolutely okay first of all what do you even mean by a blogging community well we define community you know as like-minded individuals who um who come together to support each other um around not necessarily a common goal, but around their goals. And so as building a community, when I started my fab finance, I had a group of women, we called ourselves the frugal fab five, and we were all personal finance bloggers and educators. And we shared resources amongst each other. We provided each other with feedback on content. We shared links, um, opportunities, whatever it may be, because we really wanted to see each other succeed. And in all honesty, I mean, the women who decided to stay within personal finance because two have kind of decided eh, they, they have other life passions, but three of us are doing exceptionally well. Um, two of us work for ourselves full time and one person is um, on her way to working for herself full time. And so it, it's been powerful. It really has been. And I don't think that I would have been able to do it without them, in all honesty. Okay. So talk about some of the benefits that you've personally experienced from doing this. Well, I was named the new face of wealth building by Black Enterprise in October 2015. No, 2014. Sheesh, I can't believe it's been over a year. So October 2014, I was named the new face of wealth building by Black Enterprise and was on their cover. And that came from one of the women in my group. They reached out to her. They were looking for a millennial. And she was like, I'm not a millennial, but hey, here, you know, respond to their email immediately. And it turned out to be, you know, it initially started as an article, then it turned into a feature story, and then it turned into a magazine cover. And that was pivotal 
in my career as a blogger and as a financial educator. And that would not have happened had I not been connected with her. You know, you know, other people say what is for you is for you. But in the same sense, like that was a result of somebody in my network who genuinely wanted to see me succeed, handing off a baton or handing off an opportunity to me and saying, hey, you're amazing. I know you're going to do good with this. Go ahead and run with it. Um, And so it's just important to have people who are willing to share opportunities with you. And if you don't have a community and have these relationships with individuals, when opportunities arise, they may not be suitable for it. But if they don't know you or have a relationship with you, they're not going to be able to recommend you for it or put cast your name in the hat. So it's important for that because you can never be in all rooms at the same time. Like you'll never be in all the rooms. But if you have a large network or a larger community, they will be able to, you know, they, you have a larger probability of having your name mentioned in those rooms that you aren't in. Got it. So that's, that's one way I've seen it work within my life. And then just, just learning, you know, before I, before I launch something, being able to send it to them and say, Hey, have a look at this and, you know, let me know where the weak points are and how I can improve the user experience and the content on this site. I, one of us, one of my ladies launched is, doing one of the biggest launches of her career today, actually. And she sent it to me and was like, hey, can you give me feedback? And I stopped and took an hour out of my day to comb through every page of her website and write down detailed feedback and send it back to her. And that's invaluable. And people charge for that. But when you have a community of people who want to see you succeed, it is, it's, it's not anything to them. You know, They're willing to give their time to help you. So I'm here in my... Um my home office right now is basically a bedroom that I have a desk in and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I live in, in, in a little town in Michigan. I told you it's Berrien Springs and you said you'd never heard of that. And that's because no one has. Um, and one of the things that I've realized is that blogging can be very isolating, right? Because you're just sitting at your computer creating content. And if you don't have that network, I mean, quite frankly, that can get, it can get depressing. It can get, I mean, it's not like you're going into an office where there are coworkers and you can have conversations and so on. So just like you're saying right now, having these types of relationships, you know, I'm, I'm a part of two mastermind, um, two mastermind uh-huh. groups. One of, uh, one of the groups met last night. One, the, no, the next group is meeting 30 minutes after we get off this call. That has been so crucial for me. Um, in terms of the encouragement that I need, in terms of the support that I need, in terms of having that community of like-minded individuals, so I I so agree with you on that. It's been it, it's huge. Yeah, I definitely agree, and you know, and that is also a challenge because a lot of our relationships now are virtual. You know, when you have a virtual when you, a virtual relationship with someone, you know, you still can't go and work with them in a cafe. Um, so it is important to create online and offline relationships, too, uh, so that you have people that you can actually interact with when you begin to work for yourself. OK, so I am a blogger and I am convinced I need to build up one of these communities. Um, I need to have a community of bloggers. Where do I start? To start, I would say, OK, so a lot of people are, would like to go for the, um, the Oprah of their industry. <laughs> But I would say find like-minded individuals who are starting at a similar place from you. They don't necessarily have to be, you know, starting out um, on the on the bottom with you necessarily, but people who are have comparable um, audiences or um, 
they have just as much to gain from working with you as you do from them because you want the relationship to be based off reciprocity. I don't think anyone likes to be in a relationship where they feel like they're giving, 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 unless it's a mentorship um, and, and not necessarily receiving. So it is important to remember that and to look for people who you can build with, not necessarily who you're looking to piggyback off of their coattail, but you can build with. And how do you find those people? Where did you find your people? Found mine on social media. I, you know, when you click the follow button and they suggest others, you know, you, who, who's like you in your field? Who does, you, who does Instagram or Twitter think is like you in your industry? Um, and, and check them out, you know, check their story out, read up on their experiences and everything else, and then um, reach out to them if you feel like it's somebody you could build a relationship with. Okay, so you you went on Twitter, you went on Instagram or whatever social network someone is comfortable, they can go on there and find people that are similar to them and then you reach out to them. Now, when you reached out to them, like because you know, I get people reaching out to me on a regular basis asking me for something. Uh, to hey, I just wrote this great blog post, you should share it with your audience or whatever the case might be. Uh-huh. How do you go about about approaching these people because they're strangers at this point? Yeah, um, it's it's slight, you know. It, you can start by resharing their content, and then you know, adding them. That was great. Um, you know, just slowly building that relationship because you don't want to just. Or I mean, sometimes the Ford thing, Ford method works. You know, it's kind of like dating. Sometimes you know, a guy has to, or a guy or a girl, you know, have to woo somebody for a little bit before you can go in for the ask. But sometimes you just are forward and be like, "Hey, I'm interested in you. Would you like to go out?" <laughs> so it, it it just depends. You have to gauge their personality type um, and how responsive you think they would be to you being forward, or if they would pr- prefer you to court them. I mean, it, it sounds like dating, but essentially it is. You know, these are relationships that you're building, and even though they're not necessarily romantic, um, some of the same rules still apply. Okay, so that makes a whole lot of sense. So, in other words, there's no one size fits all, and I no, think it's based I th- on the person. Yeah, I think that's one of the problems that people have, right? They create this template email um, to reach out to people, and they just send this to a number of people saying the exact same thing. It's not personalized. There's no relationship behind that, and in some cases, that can work. But I, but I think the way you're suggesting, in terms of looking at who they are, and maybe deciding whether, hey, I'm going to reshare their content or maybe maybe you might write a blog post about something that they did and, and link to them and kind of get the relationship going that way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so you reach so, out to them, so- you connect with these individuals, hopefully you get favorable feedback, um, and where, where do you go from there? How do you take the relationship to the next level? <sighs> Collaborations are a good way to take it to the next level. I went with my ladies, we, um, we uh, collaborated. And so we ended up, um, we created an event together. And um, from there, we created another event and like an online experience started doing Twitter chats. But collaborations are a good way to fortify that relationship. Because when, if you can work with someone and maintain, you know, a positive relationship, then that, that's someone to keep around. And so consider, um, even if it's not necessarily a live event or online event or anything of that nature, um, consider sharing content on their blog, find a way to have to communicate with them 
at a deeper level than just surface communication, than just like, hey, how you doing? Hope your blog is going great this week. Find something else that forces you to interact with the person on a different level. All right. So now you guys are in this relationship. You, you, what, what, what's the group called? Uh, Fab what? What is it called? The Frugal Fab Five. The Frugal Fab Five. So these are people that at least at the beginning were in similar niches. And mm-hmm. so it's the frugal, the, the, the dealing with finances and all that good stuff. Um, so yes. you guys are, what does that relationship look like now? I mean, for, for me, for example, we have mastermind meetings once a week, every Tuesday night and every Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday mid-morning, uh, we get together and we have a, a specific format in which we conduct these membership, I mean, these mastermind meetings. What does it look like for you and for your group? Well, now we've, I have to admit, we've fallen off with, uh, with our structure because beca- before we would have monthly calls, but because each of us are actually pretty, um, pretty much killing it. Like we're doing, <laughs> we're, we're all doing really amazing things. Um, one of the women, I, I could, I could share one of the women, she's um, Marsha of the finance bar. So she created a financial literacy bus that drives around North Carolina oh, yeah, and delivers awesome. financial education. Yeah. So Marsha and then Tiffany, the budget Nista is another one. And Tiffany is just like, she has a community of 70,000 women in her live richer group. And so each of us have become busy, but we still take the time out to support each other. So it, we don't have our ongoing phone calls or our regularly scheduled phone calls like we used to, but we know that when someone needs assistance or someone needs feedback, we are ha- all hands on deck in supporting that individual. So that's also part of growing your group is just uh, respecting the, the needs and changes within, within another's professional life and learning how to support it the best way you can. Uh, because had I said, you know, oh, you guys don't have time for me anymore, I'm done. That doesn't hurt anyone but myself. Yeah. You know, you, you have to understand where someone is professionally and how much time they can allocate to your relationship. Do you think there's an ideal size for a group like this? I would it, it varies okay. um, because I think even if you do create a larger group, people are still going to section themselves off mm-hmm. into smaller, more intimate groups. I think that's kind of human nature. I, I think that people work really well in groups of five to seven. Um, even groups of three, people work really well. But that doesn't mean that you can't create a larger mastermind of people committed to supporting each other. It's just, you know, everybody won't touch each other. Um, and, and because I'm actually part of a mastermind group, too. We meet every, every other Wednesday. We have um, a meeting. And there are people in the group that I haven't even had a conversation with because it's kind of large and I just don't have the time to interact with everyone. But that doesn't mean that I don't share my feedback when time um, allows and that I don't, I haven't established smaller relationships. I'm doing a webinar tonight, actually, with one of my mastermind group members. So. Nice, nice. Okay, so are there any other things that we should be thinking about as we're thinking about building our communities? Um. So, can I give you three things, or are these my three things that I should suggest to individuals? Yeah, sure. Let's go uh, ahead uh, with three with, things. Yeah, we, 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 that's, we're going to call that our action steps. So I'm going to go ahead and cue up the music for our action steps. <laughs> go. <laughs> First, actually, I would like to record your voice for like my morning alarm. Like, Sonia, <laughs> wake up. Like, I, I need that. Um, but okay, so my three action steps are... The first is to look at others as alliances and not competition. I think it is human nature for us to look at individuals within our space as competition. But one of the things that I have learned is what is for you. What is for you 
is for you. Like no one can squander the opportunities that are already assigned to you. And so when you begin to operate in that manner, you can be happier for the success with the success of others. And you start to build stronger relationships because you're coming from a place of, um, of giving and not necessarily feeling like when they, when they win, that is taking away from you. So it's important to look at others as an alliance and not competition. Uh, we, me and Frugal Fab Five did a keynote at Blogging Wild Brown, and it was called Girls Compete, Women Collaborate, nice. because you really do get ahead by collaboration. The second one is be the partner that you would like. Like No one wants to be in a relationship with someone who they feel like doesn't pull their weight. It's like when you're in school. I don't know if everybody who listens to this went to college, but you know when you have the dreaded group assignment... And you have one person in the group who's not pulling their weight. Like chances are you're not calling them after class is over. Um, If you see them in the library or see them, you know, down the line, you're like, yeah, that person was in my group and they did not do any work. We we supported them. And so it's important to be the person that you would want to be in a partnership or an alliance with. Like support them just as much as they support you and understand that things ebb and flow. Sometimes their life might demand more from them and that requires you to give more. But also expect them that when their life allows, they can also pour back into you. So that is the second one. And then the third is allow yourself to learn from others. I think that as a blogger, and especially it's a saturated niche, so it is customary to want to go into your hut and to not pay attention to what others are doing or to wall yourself off for the sake of creativity. But it is so important to learn from others because there's no way that you can buy and attend all of the educational opportunities that are available out there. Like I can't enroll in enough courses to learn everything that is to be learned. And someone else might implement it and you can learn from the manner in which they implemented knowledge that they learned. Um, I have a blogger friend, Letitia Stiles, and Letitia is phenomenal. And she's actually segueing from personal finance into coaching. But I learned so much from her and had I not been open to learning from others, I might not have learned how to monetize my site with affiliate marketing. I might not have learned other things like being consistent on Periscope. So it's, it's important to be open to learning from others. You're not necessarily taking from them, but you're observing them and saying, wow, you did that really well and I see the results that it garnered for you. Maybe I should try that out on my end and see how it works using my own spin to it. I absolutely love it. Now you have some some interesting you have something interesting coming up pretty soon here. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I'm so excited. So I'm taking it beyond building a community with bloggers, and I'm focusing on building a community with my audience because the Fab Fam they're awesome. But I want to take my community to the next level. So I am creating the I created the Banish the Balance Challenge, which is a free eight week debt repayment challenge where we're getting serious about paying off debt. And I am helping people reclaim their financial freedom by eliminating their overhead. Um, one of my, ma- my biggest platform or my, my mission of MyFabFinance is helping individuals break the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck. And as long as you are in debt to someone and owe someone money, you are at risk of living paycheck to paycheck because all of your money isn't your money. It it belongs to someone else essentially when it comes in. And so that people can sign up for that at banishthebalance.com or myfabfinance backslash banishthebalance or banishthebalance.com. I own um, the URL as well. But I encourage people to check it out. If A, they're interested in creating their own challenge to create a community because you can see how 
I run the challenge and um, how I communicate with the audience or B, if you need to pay down debt. Like if you are serious about becoming a blogger and you want to leave your full-time job, but the only thing stopping you or one of the things stopping you is debt, this is an opportunity to participate in a challenge to learn how to pay down your debt and stay out of debt. So so when you told me about this at the beginning, uh, before we started the interview, I thought this was like a paid course. You're telling me this is free? It's free. It's free. I'm working my ASS off <laughs> on, on these challenges. Uh, I've created, I believe, there six of the lessons come with worksheets. Um, and I'm, wor- I'm working on a few other elements of the challenge, but it's a free challenge. Um, and it is available to anyone who is interested in learning how to do a challenge or paying down their debt. Like I have no problem with people operating in stealth mode in the Facebook group if they're there for the purpose of learning learning and seeing how I'm doing it. So I'm definitely going to check that out because uh, I, don't, I don't think I've shared this but um, with my audience, but one of the things that I'm focused on right now is just like crushing debt. Student loans, any credit cards, everything, that's going to be gone in as short a period as possible. So we've made some big changes at home uh, to make that a reality. So I'm definitely going to be checking that out. And for anyone else, you can go to myfabfinance.com dot com slash banish the balance of course i'm gonna link to that in the show notes um tanya thank you so much for coming on here and sharing so much value um i really appreciate it thank you so much leslie thank you for having me i really enjoyed this as i said i'm gonna call you to record my 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 wake up alarm (laughs) all right we'll make that happen Hey guys, I hope you got a lot of... No, not I hope. I keep saying I hope. But I know you got a lot of value from that. Um, so make sure to check out her challenge at myfabfinance.com slash banish the balance. And you can check her out, of course, at myfabfinance.com. I want to tell you what's coming up. Uh, we we switch things around a little bit. So next week, we're going to actually have an episode on how to create an effective editorial calendar. We're going to talk about how to determine what content to create, how to set a realistic schedule, and how to maximize your success when it comes to content creation. This was episode 256, becomeablogger.com slash 256, links, everything that she mentioned, it'll all be there. And if you know someone that can benefit from this episode or any other episode on this podcast, tell them to go to becomeablogger.com slash podcast and find out how to subscribe. Now, if you're trying to get your blog started so that you can create content, inspire others, and even change the world while building your online business, head on over to freebloggingvideos.com. It's my free course that will help you get started. But lastly, if you want to take your business to the next level, I'm talking about the next level, and be coached by me, join my Become a Blogger Coaching Club by going to bloggercoaching.com. Our members love the hand-holding guidance that they get, and I'm sure you're going to love it too. So that's pretty much it for this episode. This is Leslie Samuel here from becomeablogger.com, where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And next, Until next time, take care, and God bless. Three, five, two.